Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. It is Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all new Score North on 1500 scorenorth.com. I'm the Rami in that equation. There's Judd Zolgad, Phil Mackie. Lots to get to on the show this afternoon. The Antonio Brown to the Vikings. Reckless speculation just won't die. I don't even know if it's reckless anymore. We'll get to that and drive Judd crazy at 420. At 5 o'clock, there's something I wanted to fight Phil Mackie about last week, but. My memory didn't serve me well enough to fight Phil Mackey about it, but I saw some highlights over the weekend, and you're you're dead wrong about Michael Jordan. Dude, How much we'll, bourbon were you drinking when you looked at those highlights? That is irrelevant, sir. That is irrelevant, and I will not this answer This is going to be so question. much fun to watch, though. That's coming up at 5 o'clock, and we're going to mock at 520. It's Kuiper 2.0 Dude, at is, 520. It's oh, a glorious man. day when we start getting into... Not the first draft, second draft. Like We're going to have Kuiper 5.0 at some point. Oh, man. If you're Kuiper, do you purposely sandbag 1.0, 2.0, yes, 3.0? Absolutely. And just like, so that some of these fake mockers out there, you, you throw get, them off the scent. Yeah. Right. The guys who are just going to copy you. Let's see how stupid you are. Yeah. <laughs> well, you talk to your sources, you get more intelligence, right? Right. No, there's no I think 1.0, too, you, you, give, um, you give players at positions to teams that don't need them. So, like, we all say, you don't have an offensive lineman coming to the Vikings. Right. What do you mean wide receiver? And then you start to adjust that, too. But he's going to go up to what? Kuiper will end up at. I think he usually gets to like five. It's like right? five or five? six. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's five or six. Yeah. I, th- I feel like you're not a true mock warrior unless you get to double digits. And of course, okay. Todd McShay has to has to follow him along. And every time Kuiper has one, McShay has one, right? Am I right about that? I believe McShay might have fired the first bullet, he did. though. Oh. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He fired back oh, wow. in December. Yeah, he fired the first Kyle shell. fired the first two, right? Did he fire yeah, the first oh, two? Wow. I, so. I, I want to say 1.0 and 2.0. I want to say we were at 2.0 for McShay when Kuiper might have come out with 1.0. But because Kuiper's Kuiper, I think he hangs back. And he's like, I, I don't need to do this. he usually waits until after the Super Bowl. Yeah, he's like, I don't need to do this. I'm Mel Kuiper. And one final show, T, since we're, since we're setting up the show here. Yeah. We asked people last week to give us a five-star rating. Or if you thought our show was crappy, give us whatever rating you want to. But more specifically, in the Apple comment section when you give the rating... In the review section, list your favorite obscure Minnesota sports athletes. And so many people did over the weekend. And we have nice. to read some of them before the show is over. Can't wait. Well, yes. earlier today on uh, Touch Em All with myself and Derek Wetmore in Manny Hill. And if you want to hear that, go to scorenorth.com or search wherever you download podcasts, Score North Twins. And it'll be the first one that pops up. And I had my first chance to uh, interview Thad Levine, the general manager of the Minnesota Twins. And after I told him that I'm boycotting this team, if uh, Williams Astadio doesn't make the squad, that was the first thing I said to Thad Levine. Get in line uh, behind Patrick Horsey. <laughs> that I'm boycotting your squad if, if Williams Astadio isn't on the opening day roster. We got into the meat and potatoes of the Minnesota Twins, including what has kind of been a mystery early on in camp here, Miguel. Elsa knows injury and Rocco Baldelli was was giving vague answers and sort of dancing around what exactly was going on with Sano, who is coming to camp in very good shape, but hasn't been able to do full workouts with the team because all we knew was there was some sort of cut on his lower leg, Achilles heel, somewhere around there that was that was holding him back. And Thad Levine, I think, gave us the clearest answer that we've gotten yet as to what's going on with Miguel Sano. I think what he did this offseason 
deserves a ton of credit. Uh, you know, between Tony Leo and our medical staff, Ian Kadish and our strength and conditioning staff, and, and our coaching staff, we gave him a very strict program to follow. Uh, in, involved in that was changing his nutrition and his habits. Uh, involved in that was working out in a different way than he had in years past. He embraced it. Uh, so, you know, I would judge, I would use the judgment of people who have been around him longer than I have who say that he's in the best shape that they've seen since 2015. Hmm. I can say that I, you know, we saw videos that he would send to us and pictures of how he was doing this offseason. He looked great. I actually saw him down in the Dominican where we were about three weeks ago for a scouting summit. Uh, within limits, I, I took as much liberals as I could in giving him a hug and touching as many muscle groups as I possibly could in that hug. That was like, he felt great. <laughs> he felt great. And, uh, oh, good. And he walks into camp, I think, looking, looking the part. Uh, an injury sustained, I think, uh, post-celebration of winning the, the championship down in the winter ball. He has a laceration on his right heel, and it's just an area that's tough to heal uh, because it, it, it kind of skins thin, and every time you move, it kind of stretches it. So mm-hmm. we're going to probably be a little bit conservative on the front end of camp to try to get him 100% and get that wound healed. But once we do, I think we're seeing this guy is hitting the ground literally running. So uh, I love that, Levine, so much. Just like... Drops the, the the detailed hug reference of feeling out Miguel's and I liked, groups. I liked how Derek got slightly uncomfortable when, when Thad talked about touching the the muscle groups too. <laughs> like you can hear Derek's yeah. uncomfortable. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. And Thad doesn't care. Slides the chair off a little bit. <laughs> so it's been real easy, low hanging fruit to pick on Miguel Sano, and a lot of it's self inflicted. Whether it's the off the field stuff from a winter or two ago. Or the weight gain and him maybe having to move off third base long term. But inside of Miguel Sano, holy cow, that's destiny it's right there. <laughs> it's Levine. I think, I think, I think our I phone touched lines every are muscle group. You had it wrong. <laughs> oh, man. Inside of Miguel Sano's frame, whatever it weighs, his, his 162 game average in the, so in the four years he's played, He's come nowhere near playing 162 games, and that's the key. Can you get him close to 162 games? But his 162-game average is 36 homers, 100 RBIs, and an OPS well over 800. And that's a guy who should, in theory, be going into the prime of his career here. So if you can just keep him on the field, I can live with some of his flaws. I can live with big strikeout totals. I can live with the fact that he might have to play first base long term. But if you can keep him on the field and get that kind of power in the middle of your order, uh, it changes the entire complexion of the Twins' offense. One thing I'll be honest with you that I, I didn't catch when upon him first saying it in the live interview was this happened in post celebration of of winning the Dominican League that he was playing in this offseason. What does that mean? Like, was he got uh, according to uh, Patrick who talked about this on the Unchained episode that will come after our show today. They were celebrating. He joined. He joined a team that hadn't won a title since like the fifties, and he joined. Oh, them I for, didn't know that. And he joined them for the playoff stretch because they were good, and so then they won the title. They were celebrating, and it sounds like he got spiked. So somebody probably cleated oh, him. Aren't okay. you guys shocked? Like a home plate cleating. Like that. That should probably happen more in more baseball often. than it does. Yeah. I'm shocked that it doesn't happen even more dangerously in hockey because those dudes, when they when they surround the goalie or when they're when they're celebrating a Stanley Cup win, they're all jumping all over each other and they've got knives on their feet. For God's sake, <laughs> yeah, but they're kind of weird. But their feet, so like un, unless they are are hog piling, their their skates protect them. So in baseball, because of the Kevlar, yeah. So in baseball, the I think that you could make a case that the home plate celebration in baseball might be the most dangerous in all sports because if you think about it you also you're think jumping that, like, up and everything down. is dangerous no i'm just saying but you're jumping up and down you could cleat a, a guy kendris morales broke his leg jumping on home plate he like shattered his leg i think the home plate celebration might be the most dangerous celebration in all Listen, sports clint barmas broke his back walking up steps okay walking up steps well, like, with, the, with, me, with deer meat deer meat deer meat <laughs> yeah i think he initially said it was groceries yeah and then they're like no clint it wasn't groceries um, so, uh, so Rami, when you, I don't know how this, you set this up however you want to, but Thad Levine dove into player performance projections on Touch 'em All today. Yeah, he just started, and, and I think this was also when we were talking about Sano and Buxton and, and what to expect from these guys in this co- upcoming season and, and how they, they put together a roster. And he talked about some of the evaluation that goes into that. If you look at guys like Sano and Buxton, the floors are really low, the ceilings are very high. 
And I think we're playing a little bit on that with that as one of our strategic elements of how we can catch Cleveland. So if you marry up uh, Buxton and Snow and what they're capable of doing and what they have done as recently as 2017 uh, with what Jonathan Scope did in, in 2017, unfortunately has a little bit of a setback due to injury in 2018. Michael Pineda doesn't pitch at all in 2018, but if he returns to 2016-17 form, I think we feel as if his floor could be low, but his ceiling also could be really high. And then the last guy in that group would be Martin Perez. Uh, coming off a 200-inning pitch season, has a substandard 2018. If we can recapture not even really the true upside potential of that quintet, but even if it's just what they were doing not, as recently as 2016-17, we think we could really make up the gap pretty significantly in Cleveland. So for those reasons, I'm really excited to see us play. How do you guys feel about everything he said is right. There's a lot of high upside potential. We, we did the exercise a couple weeks ago on Touch Em All where we went through Take the last three seasons of every Twins position player that's projected to start. Yeah. Take their best season offensively in the last three years. So you're, you're not going back 10 years in the archives. Right? It's like, have they done something recently that you can look at and say, oh, if he does this again, and it's all 30 home run season, 40 home run season, big OPS, batting average, etc. But when he starts to talk about catching Cleveland and part of the team strategy is essentially hanging your hat on the best-case scenario for multiple players, how does that rub you guys? Because I, I get the strategy, but I also don't think you should go into a season hoping for or assuming that, oh, these if these five guys all perform at a best-case scenario level, then we're in the mix with Cleveland. In my mind, it's the timing of the statement. And I say that going back to the fact that a month ago or so, these were, were the same guys, rightfully so, who said, we're not there yet. So I think that they are way... I think what they're doing is you just get you just get down south. You're not going to say, <laughs> well, we're in trouble here. So I think what he's doing is he's being as optimistic as possible. But if I'm going to take uh, the Twins executive staff at their word completely, I go back to a month ago when they talked about not going out and being aggressive because they don't know yet. And I think that's it. And and I do think the one place where he's right is I don't think Cleveland's going to be great. I think they might be good. I don't think they're great. And therefore, if things broke your way, they could be good. But I am I am much more um, probably going to go back to what they said before spring training, which is the reason why we're not going out yet and signing guys is because in their mind – that window has not opened yet, and that might be a year or two away. And I think when he talks about not just a high ceiling, but he mentions in there a low floor for those two guys in Buxton and Snow. And so much of the trajectory of this franchise rides on those two guys, right? I mean, so if, and I feel like this is a make or break year for both Buxton and Snow. And if it's not make and it's break with those two guys, you're at a point where you need to reassess. This franchise and its trajectory and when you actually will be ready to compete, because that's a major setback if those two guys don't reach their potential, if they don't reach those high ceilings that he's talking about. So I think that that being the case informed who they did, who they didn't sign and who they did sign this offseason in free agency. You look at Nelson Cruz. And we all look at Nelson Cruz and we, we go, this is a guy who's going to produce, right? There's there's little doubt whether or not Nelson Cruz is going to produce when you look at his track record as a big league hitter. But they only gave him a one-year deal. So you go into this season, and if Buxton and Sano reach those high ceilings that you heard Levine talk about there, you're in position in a pretty weak AL Central that's there for the taking to make some moves at the trade deadline and put yourselves over the top in the division and, and beyond that, who knows? If they don't reach those ceilings and they're playing closer to their floors, you have a guy in Nelson Cruz who has a fr- team-friendly one-year contract who could be a big bat for some teams down the trade deadline. So now you're sellers and you have a very valuable piece to sell and and get some prospects in return and recoup some of the losses of not seeing Buxton and Sano reach their ceiling. Yeah, the the Jonathan Scope thing, and we're, we're going to segue into Levine's thoughts on Jonathan Scope here uh, as well. But he but he lumped Jonathan Scope into that player projections comment. I'm so baffled when people 
see a signing like Jonathan Scope, who had a, a down year. A down, he still hit 20 home runs in a down year, although his on-base percentage was 260, which is like impossibly bad for a guy who got MVP votes the year before. I just threw up in my mouth when you said his on-base percentage was 260. That's it's not very good. No. no. And, but, but here's the thing. This guy, two years ago, received some MVP votes. He's in the middle of his prime. He's only 27 years old. Uh, 32 home runs, 105 RBIs. Uh, everything was there two years ago. He's an all-star. Has a down year. And when people react to the Twins offering him the bounce-back one-year contract as, oh, it's bargain bin hunting. Okay, maybe, but it's great bargain bin hunting. You went to a garage sale and like found a Barry Bonds rookie card or something. Like, Why would you not buy low or on Or it might that? be, yeah. Yeah, why, why would you not? Like, what's the worst case scenario? Okay, it's a one-year contract. But the best case scenario is you just got a guy who was one of the best middle infielders in baseball, especially one of the best offensive middle infielders in baseball two years ago. So it's it's a great signing, and we'll but, see if it pays off. And he's another – because let's be real. Even if, even if uh, Jonathan Scope rebounds and has a strong season and Nelson Cruz does what Nelson Cruz does, if Buxton and Sano don't take that next step this year – this team isn't good enough. But if Buxton and Sano don't take that next step, but Jonathan Scope rebounds, that's another piece that's going to be valuable to somebody yeah. at the trade deadline. And again, you get some pieces in return and recoup some of the losses of your two biggest prospects not hitting their their ceilings. So here's Thad on Jonathan Scope. So I think a lot is made on the analytics on the pitching side, and I think he represents that on the offensive side. So we had... Our best offensive evaluators, whether that were scouts or guys in our analytics department, evaluate a swing and say, try as best you can to tell us how much did his oblique injury impact what we saw in 2018, or should we reasonably expect that he could perform more like he did in 2016 and 17? So their assessment was that the oblique had a meaningful impact. Now you kind of like add on to that the fact that he's 27 years old, right in his prime, mm-hmm. right in the sweet spot uh, with the rest of our core players, and I think we thought he was the perfect fit for us. It was a very congested second base market. There were some tremendous free agent options out there. For a guy, for us to get a guy who was 27, matched up with our core and age, also that we felt was a year removed from being an elite performer in the major leagues, it was a chance that we were really dying to take. He also gives you a stopgap, because long-term, Jorge Polanco, who is going to be around now for five-plus years, Jorge Polanco is probably the second baseman long-term, with Royce Lewis, the number one overall pick, slotting into shortstop. And what's Gordon, too? Yeah, Nick Gordon might even be falling behind Royce Lewis on the pecking order, but you've got him. Yeah. Probably becomes trade bait at some point. But Scope gives you a great... It, it's. It's not like you're going into the year hoping for some random, you know, like what you, you're you're signing a solidified guy for one year to then hand the baton off essentially to Royce Lewis in your middle infield. The weird thing to, to me too is we're we in this town are so fixated on the Twins and the Twins being cheap and the Twins trying to find guys. Look around baseball; everyone's doing this exact same thing now, right? Everybody. The only difference is. The Twins went out and and basically tried to sign guys, you know, three months back. But if you look at the trend here, it's not like, oh, man, it's the Twins and the Pirates and KC. It's a baseball-wide thing now. So if if you are going to go out and aggressively try and get guys coming off down years and sign them to short-term good contracts, good for you. Why the hell not? Like, what's the... If everybody else was going out and signing guys to five-year deals, right, and the Twins were dumpster diving consistently, I could see the case to be made against them then. But that's not the case here. The case is you have a league full of teams, right or wrong, that are going out doing exactly this. Yeah. So, Do you guys see what our most watched Twins video of spring training was over the weekend? I did not. So Wetmore's down there just capturing video he had. There's there's video right now on our Instagram stories, Instagram.com slash score north if you want to follow us on Instagram of Alex Kirilov, sweet lefty swing taking BP cuts. But the most watched video over the weekend was a one minute Oh, the moment of panoramic. Zen. Yeah. Yeah, it was just of of George Toma and Sprinklers and a sunny Hammond Stadium. It was beautiful. Guided twins meditation. I quoted I quote tweeted it with just home. Um, yeah. <laughs> That is that's my meditation. I'm going is, on. I'm going on right now, and I'm going to tweet Wetmore. I hate your guts. <laughs> <laughs> Just absolute. Uh, think of the thousands of people in this poor state who tortured themselves. They watch that and they're like, "That son of a buck." Hey, 
I'm sure there's deals. You can get down there. <laughs> Game start next week, I want to say. Um, yes, if you want the Saturday. full Thad Levine interview, you can find it. It was Rami, Manny, and Derek on Touch Em All earlier today. And you can subscribe to all of our twin shows in one feed. Just search anywhere you find podcasts, Score North Twins, or you can go to scorenorth.com and you can find episodes of Touch Em All, episodes of Five Thoughts, and we have really cool plans for some expanded Twins content. We're going to add a couple more shows and we'll have some more to unveil in the next couple weeks or so. And I pulled no punches with my very first question. I basically said, Thad, nice to meet you. Williams Estadio better make this damn team. That was the gist of the very first thing I said to Thad Levine. I love it. You came out swinging with Thad. You came out swinging with Dave St. Peter. <laughs> Dave, why is there not a roof on this stadium? I'll hang up and listen. I like, I'm Robbie, today, by the way. I like today's swing. The St. Peter one, I, I, I still am baffled by. The Estadio one, I sort of like that. Man. Um, so, all right. So, Judd's had the whole weekend to think about. This Antonio Brown thing has Judd changed his mind? Because he wasn't watching the AAF like the rest of us. <laughs> Listen, I told you a couple of minutes at Bunnies on Saturday. Okay, back off. Maggie and Judd with Rami. Because what you listen to doesn't come from just one source. We offer Minnesota sports. Minnesota sports. Lots of it. Whenever you want it, wherever you are, even when you're mobile, on the move. Remain grounded with access to the content that you're passionate about. Get it all here. Score North Minnesota Sports. Anytime, anywhere. Scorenorth.com. He has come in, Connor a breather. Roethlisberger to throw. And airing it out deep. Antonio Brown has got the Steelers. Touchdown. All right, you have had Chris Myers. Of all the play-by-play calls, I have to get Chris Myers. I hear enough of Chris Myers on Vikings games. Who are they playing in this for Chris Myers? How that far down the run? The Buccaneers, I believe. Oh, yeah. I oh, yeah. The Buccaneers always get Chris Myers. Tampa Bay at Pittsburgh, right? Yeah. They're going to sound the good crew to Tampa Bay. No, no, no. No one thinks that they would. I just thought. it Was it two or three years back? I swear to God, Chris Myers did every Vikings game. He did. The Vikings were... Fairly mediocre. Yes. And if you're fairly mediocre, Chris Myers is Three your playoff play guy. Yes. Was it Joe Rogan that did one year and then just lit everything on fire? Or no, it was, it was no. the other UFC guy. It, it was, was Go- Mike Goldberg. Mike. He did one game and lit it all on fire. Yes. It, it was, was the, the Vikings game. Yeah. It was I don't even Viking, remember that. It was yeah, remember that guy from UFC, Mike oh, Goldberg? I know who he is. Yeah. 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 He did. A, he did one game he and was, just butchered everything. He, he was the original uh, TV play-by-play voice of the Wild. That's right. Oh and then God. he came back here at, at uh, TCF Bank Stadium when, when the Vikings were in that stadium, and he worked a Bills-Vikings game, and he was had done, like, no prep. It was just awful. So, for Fox? Was it for Fox? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So people started to rip him on Twitter, and he went off. Yeah, he started swearing at people on Twitter and stuff. It got <laughs> really? really ugly. He had to delete some stuff. It was pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> if you just, at some point during a break, just Google Mike Goldberg, Fox, Vikings. Actually, Jonathan, if you could do that and pull some sound bites of him being horrible, I wouldn't mind reliving that here on Mackie and Judd. You're Jud really going to make me reli- relive that <laughs> Sunday well, no, where I'm sitting in another could, studio before Vikings Bedline pulling the audio. Once you've done that on YouTube, once, now so. you want me to do it again? Okay. Can you find it? Yeah, Jonathan will work on it. Uh, so you've had the whole weekend now to ponder your stance on. This Antonio Brown to the Vikings thing yeah. that, as far as we know at this point, is a score north wish that Matthew Collar started on Friday. Fueled by the Xavier Rhodes tweet. Of course, yeah. But then Collar took that and completely lit that on fire, and it's been going crazy. The Timberwolves did put Antonio Brown in a Wolves uniform on Twitter this weekend. Yeah, but that so was it's... after. But that was after. So it went, it basically went Xavier Rhodes, Collar slash score north. And then the Wolves came in late. Sure. So, Collar had someone from, and I'm, I apologize for <laughs> spacing on his name. I don't even know. But, yeah. but it's, worth, it's worth going and checking out the segment that Matthew Collar did today on Score North Live. You Andrew can subscribe. Filipponi. Andrew Filipponi. He's a radio host in Pittsburgh. So, he has a very good feel for the climate and the situation between Antonio Brown, <laughs> Mike Tomlin, etc., he thinks the Steelers are going to trade Antonio Brown for, quote, nickels on the dollar. Nickels on the dollar. If it's, let's say it's a second-round pick, okay? All right. For Antonio Bleepin' Brown. All right. A second-round pick. Okay. Are you still out on Antonio Brown? 
1,000%. Why? I can't do it. I can't why? break because you I... You can still get a left guard in free agency no, that's not or why. you can draft one that's, in the first round. That's not why. I don't I don't have any faith. I think this team, I think a team like the Vikings have, have to be very smart about what they're capable of controlling and not controlling. And I think Antonio Brown, in a locker room that's pretty good right now, would completely blow up. It would blow the culture up. Now, as far as as from our purposes, the media purposes, it would be fantastic. I'd love it. From as far as the uh, potential statistics, it would be fun. But I think that that would be completely sabotaging your team. You you take a stab at him. I, I, I keep on making this point to Judd. He doesn't want to hear it. The Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger specifically are a it's a it's it's a troubled household, so to speak. Antonio Brown is a product of a broken home. Every time you turn around in Pittsburgh, there is new controversy. There is new drama. Ben Roethlisberger goes on a radio show and calls out his wide receivers by name and says, "I should have thrown the ball to Juju Smith-Schuster more yeah. instead of Antonio Brown." Yet somehow Antonio Brown is the malcontent in this situation. I don't think Antonio Brown is the dude who people are painting him as and who Judd has bought hook, line, and sinker. That he's this dude who's a problem child who's, who's going to tear apart a locker room. That locker room was fractured and divided to begin with, and they almost seem to thrive on it. The Steelers, and I heard Michael Irvin say this once on, uh, on NFL Network, he said... Um, Oh, he had a, a like a fancy rhyme to explain it. I forgot what he said. Um, oh shoot, I can't. Now I'm drawing a complete blank. I just had it in my head a second ago. But he pointed out that they're one of these franchises, and Mike Tomlin is one of these coaches who feel a need to stir up controversy so that they can turn around and point a finger and go, "Nobody wants to see this work. It's us against the world." That's 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 Mike Tomlin's coaching style. He wants that kind of drama and that kind of friction in his locker room, and then somehow that paints Antonio Brown as the bad guy. I don't think he's that dude. I think he can be just fine in any locker room that he goes to. And even if he is, let's say he is a little bit of a diva. Let's say he, he probably is. Okay. He's a star wide receiver. It's that not, comes with the territory. Right. It's not like you're protecting the 49ers of the 80s dynasty here. Well, oh, Mike, we've already, we've already got... Well, trophies and I, rings, and you've got you have nothing right now. I agree. If you did, if you needed a number one receiver, I would take that gamble. But you don't. You got two. You got two really good ones. And so, why am I going to gamble? And by the way, by the way, the starting point of this well, you need a number. You need a number three. A wide number receiver. three, right? But I can find a three. Laquan Treadwell is a dumpster fire. He is a complete bust. He is me basically trying to play football. So we're we're not ta- we're not talking about well your three was pretty good but darn it we need to improve there you're talking about you didn't have a three and your quarterback threw to the three and that was a big problem I can find you a veteran three who's not going to cause a problem I'm not going to take the chance that Brown is and here's your other problem your infrastructure offensively right now is not strong enough to handle Brown. Because we all admit, how do you? That that's a very definitive. That's thing a very to definitive say. thing to say. Because we all are on the same page that we don't believe that Cousins is that strong of quarterback or a guy to lead this team. So, so what's so what's going to happen? The first the first time, I mean, Adam Thielen, Minnesota nice, bristled and rightfully so that Kirk Cousins was trying to tell him on the sideline what to do. So what happens the first time, and it will happen, that things go sideways with Brown. And Cousins is trying to demonstrate in all his glory what he thinks Brown should do. You think Antonio Brown, if Adam Thielen rebelled against that, do you think Antonio Brown is going to be like, that's a good point, Kirk. You're going to get the same thing. This is a great fantasy football scenario. Unfortunately, in a real world with real people, this would blow up. To me, after dealing with Ben Roethlisberger the last few years, it's, it's probably it's probably a, a breath of fresh air dealing with Kirk Cousins from everything that I understand. And I just remembered the, the rhyme that Michael Irvin had. He said, they're best when they're stressed. Talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers locker room. That they thrive on controversy and drama. Sure. That, but, they, al- that they almost contrive it and drum it up themselves. But it's, it, it, and it sounds like, to what Judd's saying, let's go down this path. You're saying... Kirk Cousins isn't a strong enough player or personality to handle three wide receivers who are that strong-willed alpha dudes. I mean, Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen are alpha dudes, and Antonio Brown is maybe even more of an alpha dude than those guys. 
And because Kirk Cousins might not be able to handle it, you shouldn't make your team better, is what you're saying. No, I, I'm saying that that when it comes to the people in that room, it would actually, I think, un- undermine your team. On paper, it's or, better. Or would it just make Kirk Cousins better because he can throw the ball up in the air to any one of three potential... Yeah, but then, I'm not going to say okay, Hall of Fame for all three. Okay, but, one of them's a Hall of Fame. But now the problem is, and and Collar's point is, that in the passing league now, you, you pass the ball a lot, but there's still somebody who's going to get shortchanged. Well, that can't be Brown. If it's Brown, there's trouble. It can be Diggs. Is it going to be... But is Diggs, is Diggs going to say, that's fine? And the other thing... Keep, I'm willing to roll the mind. dice on his opinion. The other thing, okay. The other thing to <laughs> keep really care. the other thing to keep in mind here too is, even though the Steelers would pick up some of uh, Brown's cap space, Diggs just got a new deal, which, if I'm not mistaken, I looked up, kicks up to a twelve and a half million dollar cap hit uh, coming up for 2019, and we all agree that Thielen has to get one. Mm-hmm. So, do you really want to invest that much in three guys, one of whom you know that you're going to shortchange? Yes, because by the way, Cook is going to get the ball. Like, you can't be like, Dad, Talvin, too bad. You're not going to get the ball. For sure. You have to get him the ball. Yeah, I mean, Robert Smith got the ball in 19... 19- Robert Smith ran for 1,200 yards but Jake in 1998. But Jake Reed got shortchanged. And that's okay. But, but Jake Reed was... Jake Reed was, was still... Shortchanged. What did he go for? Let's look him up. Six, I think he caught 60-some-odd passes. Okay. I found it. If Stefan Diggs is the guy who gets shortchanged and catches 60 passes, here's what... Here's like oh, just 34 passes. I'm sorry. Okay. Was he injured at all? 68 targets, 34 passes. I don't believe so, but let's but let's say in today's game 34 catches is take a pick. It's probably more like 60, 50, 50 catches, okay. 60 catches. Okay. Put it this way. If Antonio Brown is available for nickels on the dollar, and I don't see any way in which the Steelers can get a full price on and on a guy who has lit them on fire publicly is taking shots at Mike Tomlin, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube at this point if you're the Steelers. There's reports how long has it been since the end of the year for the Steelers? They, the Steelers did not make the playoffs, so their last game was on New Year's Eve, right? Yes, yeah, like a month and a half. So it's yeah, it's been it's been six weeks, and reports are Antonio Brown hasn't responded to any texts, voicemails, or calls from any of his teammates or coaches. Yes, it is over between Antonio Brown and the and the Steelers. Now, if the Steelers want to play a game of chicken and ride this out into training camp. Which they've shown they're willing sure. to do with Le'Veon Bell. But how long Okay, like how long do you want to drag this on okay. with Ben Roethlisberger's career? So hold on. If it's a second-round pick yes. for Antonio Brown, yes. because, because they're just, they have to get rid of him, you have to explore that if you're the Vikings. Well, you can explore you it. You have to. You can explore it. I'm saying that ultimately I think it blows up. And by the way, Antonio Brown, when it mattered absolutely most, quit on his team. And now you just said this. And you just said it though. Now he won't respond. So you get him here. He's going to take one look at Cousins and be like, "I can push that guy around." That's that's this how he is. And so my point ends up being this: Do you want to deal with all that? And more importantly, are you capable? I don't think this team. I think this team would reach a breaking point here where they would not be capable of dealing with him. Well, okay, because I, I think we're we're probably just at a philosophical disagreement on Antonio Brown here. But I, you're coming from a standpoint of it's almost like you're protecting something that's ready to win the championship right now. I, I get the sense that you're like you're hanging on to. Well, if you bring this guy in, you've ruined what you have. And I'm saying what you have is a team that missed the playoffs this last year. Yep. You have you have a team that is not projected to win the Super Bowl by any credible, you know, fan media member publication. So, are you more likely to win the Super Bowl if you have a chance to trade Antonio Brown and uh, for him and you pass on it? I, I think if you, if you if you add him to the team, are there risks? Absolutely, there are risks. But but the risk of if you don't, what are you like? You're not I the need, Rams. You're not the Saints. I need a third wide receiver who can just catch the football, though. Well, Antonio Again, Brown, Jared can Allen, help with catch that. a football. Jared too. Allen was a gamble that was well worth it because you hadn't had you didn't have a guy who could rush the quarterback. If this team did not have Diggs or Thielen, I would say, okay, bleep it, do it. But you need a veteran third receiver who can simply catch the football. I don't need to. I don't need Antonio Brown. I've got Diggs and Thielen. I've got two good ones, and I want a third good one. But I don't need to take the risk on this. So, guy. just to be clear, if somebody offered you Jarius Wright or Antonio Brown, you would choose Jarius Wright. 
<laughs> That's not high enough. I can do better. Oh, I can okay. do. I can do better than Jarius Wright, who I do like. I can. I can do better than that. But okay. I. I need. A, I need a guy who can catch passes. Laquan Treadwell can't catch the ball. Okay, if somebody offered you, if somebody offered you, uh, like two years younger, Danny Amendola or Antonio Brown, are you choosing two years younger, Danny Amendola? If I can improve my team in other areas where it needs to be improved, I'm choosing a guy like Golden Tate. Golden he, can, Tate. he can catch the football. I like Golden Tate. I, can I would improve, not turn down Golden Tate. I can improve my team. The thing about this is structurally, personal. I would take Antonio Brown. I could put that money towards other areas. And more importantly, I do not have faith in that locker room that it wouldn't blow up. I've seen it blow up. I've seen it. I've covered it. It's ugly. And the hubris of coaches who think they can control players when they can't is a great way to get fired. But what is blowing up? Like the risk versus the, the risk. It's complete ver- chaos. No, but I mean, what what are you blowing up exactly? The risk versus reward here. From where where the Vikings are to the, the heights they could climb if the Antonio Brown deal was to work versus how far they would fall if it quote unquote blew up. I mean, how far are they falling? What are you, what are you, what are you risking in, in bringing him in? That's my, I agree with Ryan. They, they just they missed a losing record. They last missed year, the playoffs. I mean, Jonathan, they were eight, seven and one. Okay. Let's yeah, not put losing, losing record. Don't, don't Whoa, dude, squad I'm, yeah. I'm risking, hey. I'm risking, I call it a winning record. Unnecessary chaos. It's unnecessary. <laughs> if, if he was your number one wide receiver, you, you got, you guys, Aren't listening to the key thing here. You've got two receivers who are really good. You employed a third one who was awful. So I'm giving you, I can go out and get you a third receiver who is competent and good. I told you on Purple Daily, and I will say it again, if Rick Spielman has to walk into Ziggy Wolf's office and and tell him, all right, I got an idea. And Ziggy says, what's the idea? And you say, I want to trade for Antonio Brown. If I'm Rick Spielman and I say, hold on a second here, let, let me get this straight, or Wilf, hey, Rick, so you went out and signed a quarterback last year, who, by the way, at the time that we signed him, was the highest paid QB. You came to me and asked for approval to sign Diggs. I gave it to you. You think the owner would, you're, you're would, gonna would come, go against you're, you're, trading you're, for you're go, Antonio Brown? Wait, 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 wait. You're going to come to me and you're going to ask for an extension on Thielen, which I agree with as well. And now you want Antonio Brown? Rick, you're fired. You should, what? You do no, not need You don't need It's a fantasy football idea. It's a fantasy football idea. If Rick Spielman comes to him and says, to prop up Kirk Cousins, I need Antonio Brown too, you should be fired. Was There was a story that came out that the that the New England Patriots wanted and tried hard to trade for Odell Beckham Jr. last mm-hmm. year. Yep, they already had Rob Gronkowski. Yep, Julian Edelman. Yep, they may have already had Brandon Cooks at the time of those trade talks too, or maybe that was maybe they wound yep. up with Brandon Cooks, whatever. But they had two top top targets, guys who might be in the Hall of Fame, Julian Edelman and Rob Gronkowski. And they also had other leaky things. They had some defensive issues mm-hmm. up front, mm-hmm. offensive line problems, and they said no. If we can put Odell Beckham Jr. on this team, what makes that not not unless you think that's also a fantasy anybody, football? Trade, why an, would that a, not be a fantasy football? Anybody trade? that ever talks to me about the Patriots, if they work for me in the league, is automatically fired. You have no idea what Just makes them tick. Everybody, you have today. no idea what makes them tick, and I don't. And God knows the Vikings don't. The New England Patriots are a one-off that's incredible, and they're a great story. But anybody who's like, well, the Patriots tried to do this, so we should, you're fired. You're, I, I never want to hear anybody invoke the Patriots. I feel like you're being a really scared, nervous cat here. That like, if if Antonio <laughs> if Antonio Brown played for the Vikings, you you, think, you'd think that like the stadium you, would blow okay, up or something. Right. Did you not learn a thing from the Jimmy Butler era here? I don't think those are the same people. They're the same exact guy. They're good friends. They're the same exact guy. Okay, but Jimmy Butler is good friends with Dwayne Wade, and those are two different human beings. Right, but Jimmy Butler and Brown are going to be the same thing. I've seen the movie before, very recently. Learn from your lessons. The lessons are this. This team wouldn't be able to... I saw it with the Moss thing in 2010. The If you can't handle a player, and God knows this team well, probably Randy Moss was, was washed up as a player. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Was he was washed up, up as a player. Play I, I didn't know that when I, the Vikings were I understand that, but but the most important part of that equation was his personality, which was not washed up. It was in all its glory. And, it, and they couldn't handle it. Okay, but if Randy Moss was the 20-touchdown catch receiver that 
the Vikings kind of hoped they were getting from a couple years earlier. Couldn't handle then you them. overcome it, the it personality would, stuff. You, mm-hmm. you, you, it would have it would have been different. Randy Randy Moss became a guy you couldn't put on the field anymore. Really, I mean, he went and right, played but for he them. Po- but he poisoned the locker room as that was happening, and and so it's two different things there. It's on two different tracks, and the poisoning of the locker room is the one thing that you have to be incredibly knowledgeable about and smart and know if you can handle it or not. The Vikings are not in a position to handle a guy like this. And I think you're saying that there is a 100% chance Antonio Brown poisons the locker room, which is way higher than the percentage should be. I'm saying there's a 95% chance, and the problem is I don't need him that much. I need a third receiver. Again, if we were talking about a team that had Jarius Wright and Bobby Wade, I'd be like, yeah, you know what? Take take the take the chance. I feel like your your argument falls short when you say, hey, the Vikings need a third receiver. That's why I don't want Antonio Brown to play for the Vikings. You just don't need it. You well, don't. You don't need. I don't it. need the filet mignon at Manny's, but if it's on the menu and they're like <laughs> but giving, I, giving it to me for fifty cents on the dollar, but, I, but I'm talking. But I'm talking about building up an actual roster here. You don't need Anto. Okay, so Antonio Brown comes in and now Diggs is your two and Thielen's your three. It's a fantasy. Diggs would be fun, my Diggs would be my third if okay. we're really playing fantasy. It's, it's a fun idea. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun idea. But if you're actually actually talking about roster construction and what works and what doesn't, I've got other areas that I can address while also going out and signing a third third receiver. Like I said, go get a Golden Tate. He's uh, not going to kill you. There, I can't really argue with him. There are more pressing needs than bringing in Antonio Brown as a wide receiver. That that I can't disagree with. And when you talk about the salary cap ramifications that a contract like Brown brings with it when you already have a $29 million quarterback, this is one place I can't disagree with Judd on this, but the prospect, if you could make it work, the <laughs> prospect of having those three guys as your wide receivers is very intriguing to me, especially if you can get him for pennies on the dollar. Sure. I hope he goes. I hope he goes somewhere and is just the consummate locker room guy for the next three or four years. Just to just to I thought the put that conversation today. to bed. He liked a tweet today, by the way. Antonio Brown did of uh, somebody speculating that the Browns would trade for him, or excuse me, that the Packers would trade for him. Oh, okay. Antonio Brown liked the tweet for whatever that's worth. It would be, I mean, it'd be, it'd be torture for Vikings fans to have to watch that. But it would also be, as a football fan, it would be fun to watch Aaron Rodgers with a top, top wide receiver. Um, we actually, we did track down, let's do this when we come back here. We did track down, Jonathan did, the Mike Goldberg sound. Good job, Jonathan. From the one well Vikings done, game he called. You're going to love this. I don't remember it. If you want to fight Judd or fight me slash Rami on this Antonio Brown thing that we've been talking about, 651-646-8255. The question is, let's say... Let's say the speculation is right, that you can get that guy for a second-round pick, and then you can use your first-round pick to draft a guard or something. Would you pull the trigger and just have the three-best-wide receiver combo in the history of football? <laughs> like, let's be honest. That might be. six five one six four six. is very upset with you right now. I might put it ahead. That may, that's another hypothetical uh, debate. Six five one six four six eight two five five. Mackie and Jeb with Rami on the all-new Score North on 15. Thank you, Jonathan. Mm-hmm. All right, you got that Mike Goldberg? Yes. So, to set it up, it's, I don't remember what week it was. It's Detroit at Minnesota. They're playing at TCF Bank Stadium. Mike Goldberg's obviously doing the call. Teddy Bridgewater and the Vikings have the ball right now. And this is the call. Lone set. And it's off a Detroit Lions player. The intended receiver was Golden Tate. But good coverage on the play by Danny Gore. Wait, Golden, Golden Tate does not play Tate's for the Vikings. Played for the Lions at the time, I believe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that was okay. just one of, one of many. Yeah. Rami found an article of people I've, tweeting at Mike Goldberg. Yeah, yeah I did. Uh, this, these are a few of the tweets that came in uh, during that game. Uh, this was from Michael David Smith. He said Mike Goldberg got faked out about who had the ball on his first play as an NFL on Fox play-by-play man. Uh, this one from Travis Hartman said, this is the worst announcing I have ever heard in a game. Ha ha. Wow. I like Mike Goldberg, but wow. Drew Maggery said, Mike Goldberg is awful. I've had better announcing on the subway. <laughs> Will Ojanin said, live from downtown St. Paul. Downtown St. Paul is like 20 minutes away from downtown Minneapolis. Oh, I forgot that. Geography much, Mike Goldberg? <laughs> There's one line where he, this article that I'm reading is fairly certain he called Matt Asiata Matt Asiago as in like the cheese. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I totally buy that. I forgot. I forgot the St. Paul line. 
His career would have lasted at least another year longer if his last name was a type of cheese, I think. Yes. So he took to Twitter and uh, just a couple of tweets that uh, Mike Goldberg (laughs) sent out to people critiquing his play-by-play. Dude, bleep you. Uh, and then yeah. another one. I don't know. Can I say? I don't know if I can even say this on the air. Right, I should check the, with you on the, the break. Mic's off. All right. It was yeah, douche. You're good, you're good. Yeah, it was <laughs> a douche. It was a one word tweet <laughs> to a couple of guys, and it just said douche. <laughs> Handling it well. Yeah. Handling it well. Yeah, so that was his. I, I think he was supposed to work a package of games, right? Like, it, it was not supposed to be a full schedule, but I think he was supposed to work X amount of games, and Fox was like, ah, this has been yeah, good they enough. They were testing him out. So, the other issue in that game was that his uh, the color commentator wasn't that good either and got confused about who the Lions head coach was and who was on the it staff. It was uh, Brendan Ian Badeju. Yeah, he's oh, yeah. one line is, I got to tell you, Norv Turner has been a great addition to George Caldwell's staff. <laughs> it's, uh, oh. He also repeatedly apparently called Mike Zimmer Don Zimmer. <laughs> for the well, baseball, the baseball. It's coach. understandable. Who among us? I mean, get that mixed up the two. <laughs> Former Cubs, Red Sox skipper. It'd be easy to get that mixed up. Who that, once I forgot about sought that. out Pedro Martinez on the diamond for a fist fight? That yeah, was Pedro great. flipped that him. Happened. Yeah, Pedro just kind of laid him down on the infield grass. <laughs> so, so I think that 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 remains the worst called Vikings game in probably the past ten years. But the Jets Vikings game this year on Fox. Came as close as you can come, right? I'm trying to recall Brenneman, the details. Brenneman and Chris Spielman. It's the one where it was bizarre. Brenneman, who's actually not that bad, I don't think. He's just like, I don't know if he didn't prepare for it. Brenneman was the was guy in line game. behind Joe Buck yes. for a while, right? Wasn't Brenneman, when Joe Buck would go do World Series, Brenneman, and maybe he still does sometimes, Brenneman would take over for Joe Buck. I think he still does. I'm not sure, but I think he's yeah, still no, does. I, I think you're right about that. But, but that game was really, really bad. But you know what? Like to me, for pure entertainment value, take the worst game in the NFL every week and put totally unprepared broadcasters <laughs> on it. <laughs> Guys who don't know the coaches, don't know the players, yes. and just let them do their best, and we all follow along and make fun of them at home. Wouldn't that be perfect? That's how I feel when I'm. I can't believe I'm going to say this because. God bless them. They're twenty year old kids. But when I watch student U games on Big Ten Network, yeah, when it's it's the the pre conference games, and and sometimes you have to actually, I believe, you have to pay a fifteen dollar a month subscription to watch some of those games on BTN to go. So you're watching. I remember a couple years ago, like I just put fifteen dollars down for the month of December because I want to watch the Gophers play a directional school from the Carolinas, right. And it's, you know, it's some junior in journalism school, this poor kid, <laughs> grinding through the game. And boom goes the dynamite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're all that kid. That's yep. still one of the great, great of all time. Yeah, who was it? It was one of the, uh, there was a Comedy Central show, I can't remember the host's name, who actually tracked down old internet celebrities. Oh, God, oh. what's the name of the, the guy? Uh, Daniel the Tosh, Daniel Tosh.0, Tosh, yes. yeah. And he found that kid found, and gave him a chance to redo the broadcast. Yeah. He found that kid, and I think he found the wrestling is still real to me, damn it, guy. Yes. I love that guy. What was that one? Where this guy, it's some Q&A in a gymnasium. In a high school gymnasium somewhere with some old washed-up wrestlers. Yep. And a guy gets the mic and gets emotional. And we have to, I'm sure we got to have the drop saved somewhere. Jonathan could pull it up real quick. Okay, since we're the, doing this, just Google Jonathan or go to YouTube. It's still real yeah, to me. The money wrestling. line at the end is this guy is in tears, blubbering to this old, washed up wrestler. And he goes, It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> Never seen this. Yes, yes. Oh, I've never seen this. It's so good. Oh. It is so good. It, it, it reminds me of. Uh, it if remind- I've got the right one here, it's about thirty seconds. Okay, yes, let's do, let's it? Do, yeah, please, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. Especially if Judd hasn't heard it yet. Next question, Jeff. Where are you? Right there. Yeah. Um, I just want to thank each and every one of y'all for all you've done to your bodies. <laughs> <laughs> it's still real to me. Damn it. I mean. The, com- the comforting pat on the back. Thank you guys. You're awesome. Thank you so much for saying what needed to be said. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. 
What? That is what amazing. Did, what did they see say that needed to be said so badly that it gets this man in tears, this grown ass man in tears, blubbering? Oh my gosh! <laughs> I want to know what they said that needed to be said to that man. It's so great. Oh, I love like you can see just out of the, the corner of the shot, someone someone slowly puts their hand on his back and like rubs his back. My favorite part is in the opening. They've got the panel right there and then right behind him there's this 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 dude just like chilling there just yep who are the does it say in the description because we can't see from here who the wrestlers Uh, are nah it doesn't say oh man says a wrestling fan thinks that wrestlers are so great then cries about how great they are it's still real to me damn it i didn't realize when you guys told me about that this video that he started appropriate but pretty funny that he started out crying yeah, no. It, so, he, like, he didn't work up to the. Cra- he was already in tears. Yeah, it was. It was off it's the like rails. Like watching Toy Story, right out of the gates. <laughs> Just hopelessly blubbering. Yeah. Toy Story. We so, did a we did a reading from Toy Story three on the show one time a few years ago, and like pretty much everyone. Cried. I found it. The wrestlers in attendance were Tony Atlas. Oh yeah, Brad Armstrong, J.J. <laughs> Dillon, J.J. Dillon, one of the original Four Horsemen, Bobby Eaton, yeah. Dennis Condry. Jim and Jim Cornette and Sin, S Y N N. I never heard of Sin. I don't know who Sin is. I have no idea. But uh, but Jim Jim Cornette, longtime famous manager, and yeah. and I think he's been a, a Booker before too. Jim Cornette, famously in the WWF days, would carry a tennis, a, a tennis racket, around, racket, right? And he would hit people with his tennis racket, <laughs> knock you out cold. It's worth crying about, I guess. Yep. His Still dedication real, to the sport. Still real. If you own a small to medium-sized business that kept employees on payroll through COVID, you may have a big cash refund waiting for you. The Employee Retention Credit is a tax credit of up to $26,000 per employee. And now, more businesses than ever qualify. The experts at RefundsPro.com specialize in cutting through the red tape of qualifying for this government program. Most of their refunds are over $100,000. Even businesses that have received PPP funds may be eligible. And there are absolutely no fees unless you receive a refund. So there's no reason not to apply. If your business experienced shutdowns, limited capacity, supply chain challenges, or reduced revenue due to COVID, you likely qualify. RefundsPro.com has already helped hundreds of businesses. So don't lose the refund you're owed by missing the deadline. Get started today with a free 5-minute questionnaire at RefundsPro.com. That's Refunds with an S, Pro.com.